What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Gonna be a big podcast week, John. Big podcast week. Woohoo! Podcasting. That's all we do. We got uh, what do you think? Three or four pods this week, probably on deck for everybody. There's just not much to do, so we'll podcast and we'll YouTube. I can just I can start freestyle singing. There you go. We got content. We got because you got to listen to it. Yeah, so <laughs> we got to do something to pass the well, time. Draft quickly approaching, so. We've been waiting for this, John. We've been well, now. The real question is: I don't even. I, I have not thought past the draft, but there will come a day when. Well, actually, we'll get into this. Uh, all right, before we get into the podcast, let's tell the people again: we we are supporting some local companies who've been longtime friends of uh, of any of shows that one or both of us have done. Kinders and Evergood Sausages, local companies. They're not paying us. These aren't ads. This is just a call to action if you feel like uh, if you're eating and uh, these people have things you want to eat. Yeah, the, the, uh, we're trying to give back to our community guy, and I know everyone that listens to this feels the same thing. The food industry, the, these are just weird times. Our, our friends at Kinders, they have over 10 restaurants uh, throughout the Bay Area. I, go there, I have one right by my house in Walnut Creek off Parkside. Get the barbecue chicken sandwich. They also have a good mm. tri-tip sandwich. The Grandpa Kinder started this business back in 1946 in San Pablo. So, I mean, I, I know that a lot of people that have been around this region for a long period of time, these the people need your support. And uh, we try to do our best, and I know everyone listening tries to do their best, and Kinders, who uh, know people that have worked there for a while. And uh, 
if, if you're in the area driving around, you're hungry, grab a sandwich. Kinder's, uh, they're, all, they're all over the Bay. I think 10 different locations. Opened in 1946, guy. That was well before you and me were even a thought. Uh, that was uh, long, that was like seven years before Mickey Mantle's rookie year. <laughs> yeah, so that was a lot going on back then. And then, and then uh, Evergood, they've been in business for over ninety years. My, my, I love the pineapple sauces. You can find them in Costco's, in Safeways, and wherever you do your grocery shopping in, in Northern California. Love our friends at at Evergood. That the Millers have been in business for a long period of time. Ninety years, guy. That's a long, long time before mm. Mickey Mantle's rookie year. That's before DiMaggio's rookie year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Yep. Always looking for local businesses to support. We know a lot of you that listen because we hear from you, our business owners. So we hope all you guys are, if you're open, doing well and safe and supported and, um, you know, we'll do what we know how to do, which is, which is content and, and hopefully, uh, you know, you're able in a condition to, uh, to consume it. Um, all right. Uh, has, have you thought about what happens after the NFL draft, John? I haven't allowed myself to think because we've had the NFL draft like at the end of this long road, but the draft is now like just over a week and a half away, and it turns out that's not going to be the end of this long road. I, I'm, I'm starting to feel positive, though. You know, Did you see that story? The NBA might, it might need like three weeks to get ready. I do think yeah. once we get around May 1st, the curve's flattening. There's, these businesses have so much on the line to get some stuff re-going. I think, I, I don't know if we're not going to get anything tangible, like May 10th, there's not going to be like baseball games going, but I do think every the wheels will be in motion and things will be happening. Uh, again, non-tangibly, we won't have anything to watch, uh, but I, I do think a lot's going to change post-draft of the conversation. Let's start opening some businesses up, start changing. I, I do think you're already kind of hearing those conversations, mm-hmm. you know, big picture, so I, I'm more positive than I've ever been. Well, okay, but that's, the question remains, have you thought about what happened? Like, I would be in favor of the first three rounds of the NFL draft are spread out over the course of three weeks. You know, yeah. this thir- Thursday is round one, then round two, then round three. Or it's just Jim Nance and Tiger every Sunday reliving one of Tiger's majors. I have watched a decent amount of golf tournaments, games, things from the past, I haven't hated them all. I, ha- well, I have not. I because usually if you throw up a random game, normal times I wouldn't spend much time on it. I'm talking a random old game. Now I feel like I'm. Is it desperation? Maybe. <laughs> we both watch like a lot of people watch the 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 thing CBS did on Sunday uh, with Tiger. They did one with Phil on Saturday. Yeah, did but the four t- and nineteen back to back days. The nineteen final round of the Masters Sunday with. I didn't realize they were doing it. I flipped it on and was just watching, and then all of a sudden Nance with his AirPods popped up and Tiger in his uh, – uh, uh, I don't even know what you call that room, like his, his golf asylum room with like the white padded walls pop up. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool. I would say golf might be my number one most rewatchable thing in quarantine in terms of a sporting event. Like baseball, I love baseball. It's hard to rewatch a classic baseball game. Right now, for me, even though I do it like in normal times, I'll have a classic baseball game on YouTube, like on a secondary screen while I'm doing other stuff. Um, basketball, I've done it. It's not. I think golf. I'd put golf or NFL or Super Bowls one and two in terms of the easiest sports to rewatch in quarantine, especially majors and especially when you have famous. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched the <laughs> Travelers Open. <laughs> okay, you're talking majors. And you're talking historic majors. You know, I think if you flipped on one where 
Snedeker or Danny Willett won the yeah. U.S. Open. But when you're talking, I before the one on Sunday, I, I spent a lot of time on Saturday. I, I don't know if you noticed, guy, not much going on. Watching the 04, Phil's first major. Ernie was in the lead. Phil shoots 31 on the back nine. Is this his time? And he does his jump. It was just remarkable. Phil was skinny. Also, the like when you're watching 19, it doesn't feel that long ago. We all vividly remember it. 04, which again, you say out 2004. Guy, they're clothes. They're baggy pants. You know how everyone makes fun of Michael Jordan for in the 90s? He used to wear baggy pants, but he'd look nice, like baggy suits. That's Still how everyone does. looked in 04. Baggy ass collared shirts. You have like Ernie Els, who's massive, has a collared shirt that's like a quadruple X. Even Phil's got big clothes. It, that, that was there's weird no, to watch. There's not a lot of dry fit material. It's a lot of just cotton. It doesn't exist. Like when I'm watching 19, I felt like, even though you knew what was going to happen, it still felt pretty. I, I thought yeah. the event, one thing that the Masters has that I think like playoff NFL games have because it's a one-and-done situation, uh, I, I think game sevens in basketball and baseball where a loser can go home. When you're watching the Masters a Sunday, the tension, how palpable it is, how important every shot is, how you have a finite... Once you get to like hole 10, 11, you're like, shit, you don't have that many holes left. Tiger, you forget, hit some shitty shots on the back nine when he wasn't even in the lead. You're like, God, I, Tiger didn't just dominate everyone. These guys kind of crumbled, and he just maintained. You just, you're just like, whoa. But to me, the pressure, there, I, that's the one thing golf has. There's nothing quite like it on Sunday, and probably the Masters above all. The picture of the crowd in the background, how pristine the green grass is. You know the holes. You're like, oh, this is the shot where you're kind of hitting from an angle. This is that par three that's clearly really hard, even though it looks really easy, that if all these historic blowups have happened. It was just, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful event even re-watching it. From the yeah. pressure element. You're kind of on the mm-hmm. edge of your seat. Like, God, you feel for these guys. Yeah. And then you add to it, the fact that you were playing in groups of three, which you just get, you get more action. And the fact that it's all these guys, because it's so recent, it's all these guys that are still great players, right? Molinari and Kepka, Finau's right there in the mix, playing with Tiger and Molinari. Um, the 12th hole, the par three, where, like, because they were so backed up, you kind of could see what was ha- Like, Tiger kind of knew that both those guys ahead of him had hit in the water, but he didn't. That part was really interesting of getting Tiger's analysis. He knew Kepka and uh, who who went in the water with Kepka in Kepka's group. Two was of the it, three of them went in the water. Was it Rose or no? It was Poulter. Poulter, right? Because <clears throat> yeah. four of the six guys in those two groups went in the water. Yeah. So Tiger comes up and he knows those two guys went in the water, but he doesn't know why. Like he's he's not positive. Did they miss hit the ball or did the wind? What happened? But because it's two of them, he thinks it, it they weren't miss hits. And then he sees Molinari pull out an eight and barely get over the water, then hit the thing and fall back in. He's like, I think he hit that pretty well. So then he goes where he goes, and then it's confirmed when Finau tries to do the thing, same thing Molinari did, hit it well, and ends up in the water. I, if you would have asked me what was the sequence, I would have been like, oh, yeah, Molinari, Finau both go in the water. Tiger yes. then clubs up. I had forgotten, Tony, how do you go into the water after three of the last four guys have gone in the water? Wouldn't you fucking airmail it to the back bunker or something? Yep. And the crazy or, thing about Finau, he felt like he was just quadruple bogeying every hole. He was kind of floating around. Like, he was not out of it. The other it, thing is... Yeah, really quick on... Nance asked him a question 
maybe it was like the next hole when Finau didn't quite die, and Tiger was like, it was a par five. I think it was, it might have been 15 when he's like, oh, Tony hit, you know, driver nine iron onto the hole. And he, you can see how great of a ball striker he is. And then Nance tries to like, just go big picture. He's like, Tiger, how about this Tony Finau? Just great. He's got, he's going to win a Masters, right? And then I think Tiger realizes like, I'm not his President's Cup captain when we're talking about the Masters. Like, I'm his competitor. If 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 I put out... Tony, Tony's got the talent to win a couple majors. I was thinking, like, Tiger kind of went back Earl Woods. He just didn't really answer the question. I think Tiger really likes him and was clearly pretty impressed with him. But you, if Tony goes, Tiger thinks I can win a major, what if they're paired together in, like, two years down the stretch? You don't want to give that confidence. It was kind of old-school tactics from Tiger. Yeah. Which where, the, where Nance the, thought, and I don't blame Nance, thought he was going to get like an easy, Tiger's relaxed, oh, Fina, yeah, he's going to win majors. But you're, Tiger's still trying to win majors, so he's not putting that out in the ether. It's a great call because the irony of it is, right, that Tiger used to use everything to his advantage when he didn't have to. Like, he was beating you by eight strokes whether he said he thought you could win the Masters in the future or not. But what that, particularly that 12th hole illustrates, like his advantages are sometimes really slim advantages. Like, it's Tiger's understanding of the wind on the 12th hole at the Masters and his ability to read it and see what's happening. That was the difference there. Well, the next time Tony Finau's sitting on that 12th hole, Tiger might not have that advantage over Tony. Like well, He won't that now. Little thing, he won't now, right? No. Well, in theory, I mean, he shouldn't have had it then. Tony just watched Molinari and then saw what Tiger Woods, who's plays that hole more than anybody, did. It was like, nah, fuck it, I can make it. So uh, th- that part's fascinating. And then the other part of that was like, I think we all know this, but to really hear when Tiger says things like, you know, he struck it well, I think he hit it like six feet right of where he was aiming, you know, when he was talking about Molinari. And then even Nance knows golf. Like Nance played college golf. Nance knows golf. But when Tiger explained to him where he was trying to hit the ball, Nance kind of followed up and Tiger's like, no, I'm hitting it right over what do you call it? The tongue of the bunker. That's where I'm hitting it. And sure enough, if you just, when you watch that thing live, you might've thought, ah, Tiger went a little, I wonder if Tiger was aiming over there. Yeah, that's, he was, that's exactly where Tiger was aiming over the tongue, not over the bunker, John, to the left of the tongue in the middle of the bunker. Well, the guy that's going to, the guy that's going to know moving forward, my overall take is the moment Tiger knocked his putt in. If Kepka and him had been tied after 18, I think Tiger would have been in a little trouble. Because Tiger even said it was exhausting. I, I was kind of just trying to hold it. Kepka was kind of heating up. He hits it in the water, and then you're like, oh, Kepka blew up. Unlike Molinari, who crumbled, Kepka just hit a bad shot. The next hole guy, he eagles. <laughs> and then he starts fucking just, he just locked in. And he misses the putt on 18. Now, who knows? Tiger was ultimate, like ultra conservative on 18. But what if they went to underrated part about how sweet it was to end it. Can you imagine the power of Tiger going into a playoff with Brooks Kepka, who by far is the most intimidating young player that he could go up against, right? Who's won all these majors leading the into that tournament. closest thing to Tiger. Yeah. That would have been as great as it was, and it was unreal watching it. I looked back and went, God, it could have been like that on steroids. Now, if Tiger loses... Everyone kind of been because you go back to eighteen, right? A couple times before they move you to ten. We've seen that happen before. That would have been weird, right? Because everyone would have been rooting for Tiger. It just who knows. Yeah, that's, that's the great what could have been. 
it, one thing we haven't seen yet in Tiger's return in the two in in this win and the East Lake win was he, by the time he got to eighteen, it was his basically, right? Yeah, like he missed two. It it it, it was similar to the his win in the Tour Championship in the FedEx Cup, not the Tour Championship. Um, it, I guess it is the Tour Championship, but it was similar in that he he kind of missed a putt that would have been sweet. But he still had another putt to clean it up and still win the thing easily. Yeah, we haven't seen him yet. Like pressure putt eighteen. If Tiger misses this, he loses. If he makes it, we go to a playoff. Or he makes it, he wins. He misses, we go to a playoff. Or he's got to make it, and Kepka's behind him in the last group. And Kepka knows if he pars, he wins. Right? We haven't seen that. Maybe we. Will, I don't know if we will or not. But, um, but I last year's Masters. If it ends up in a playoff and Kepka beats Tiger, it's um, it's great for Kepka, but it's not as good for golf. And overall, I give CBS a lot of credit. Now, granted, you know, getting Phil and Tiger to do this probably over the last couple weeks, they've had some time. No one coming into it was pretty cool. And to get Tiger choked up a couple different times was just we don't usually see him like that. Okay, you have to tell me something. So I had it on. I left the room for a minute. I come back in. Tiger's wearing the green jacket all of a sudden. So th- did they edit? Did he just grab it and put it on? Well, I think what happened is the way they had set it up, right, is like every couple holes or whenever they feel like a big moment, they come to Tiger. And he's sitting there wearing the same outfit the whole time. Yeah. I would guess he had it. They brought it in because they knew when it ended, they were going to do like a summation okay. of it. So Tiger, because so they go, Tiger... After he birdies 16, and he almost hits a hole-in-one, and then Nance goes, well, just kind of random question, like, how many hole-in-ones do you have, Tiger? And Tiger gives this incredible answer. He'd had 19 by 25 years old, and he did not have another one, he said, till a couple years ago, when he just subtly was like, yeah, just before Thanksgiving, we were in Palm Springs, me, Freddie Couples, Joe LaCava, and my son Charlie playing golf. Like, that might have been a cool pickup game, and he hit one. And you're just like, God, think how many hole-in-ones. I mean, that guy was a machine. How, how long till Charlie hits one in the uh, par three contest? Well, not long. When he birdies that, there's that famous photo because the whole 17 tee box isn't that far away. The place yeah. fucking goes apeshit and Kepka, and they all look over there. Right. And then yeah. and then Nance goes, we'll come back to you in a couple holes, Tiger. And then Tiger, when he comes back, he's wearing the green jacket. So he's just, he had it on. Guy, look, it was so great. The idea, because all of a sudden you realize that green jacket is just in his closet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, or it's somewhere, right? It's just in his house somewhere. One cool moment, I rewatched a little bit of Butler Cabin. And yeah. when, right when he puts it on, one, right when they come in, Tiger's kind of geeking out with Victor Hovland. I uh, remember It kind of sounds like he asked year. him, like, what did you hit? Because I saw Hovland say like a six or a seven. I could see Tiger was kind of intrigued by this guy. Probably heard a lot about Steal it. Hovland doesn't realize it's going to be used against him. Yeah, exactly. And then Tiger, when Patrick Reed finally puts on the jacket and Tiger drops, it fits. Or it still fits. That's so fits. funny. That was so great. <laughs> yeah, Tiger. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they update it. If you go back and look, we did a Tiger video on YouTube, uh, which you can go subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're listening to this podcast. We did a Tiger video. And the first, I think it's the first one, the first or the second one, the jacket is so huge. Now, he's skinnier then, too. Yeah. But the jacket's just... And, and to your point, it's like part of the style, too. Um, but the jacket's huge. And uh, I, I was laughing. Like, would they have been able to do that on Sunday if Patrick... If it was just, oh, 
Francesco Molinari won the Masters. Like you can't put CBS can't put that together. They have to do an old Tiger. Quick hot take: the storyline with Tiger winning it was bigger. I think it's the longest period of time. A guy 08 to nineteen. It's a long. It's like eleven years. It was like Gary Player. Right? The uh, the watching Sunday 04 when when Phil won it. Phil come, uh, Tiger didn't come storming back. Right, those guys crumbled and he just sustained. <laughs> he just didn't fuck up. But those guys, I mean, Molinari had multiple doubles down the stretch. Mickelson was like four down, shot 31 on the back, and just came storming back to beat Ernie Els and birdied 18. So, and Nance said, or Faldo, one of the two of them said, this might be the greatest Masters ever. Just the birdie, birdie, birdie. Everyone's birdieing down the stretch. It's Ernie, it's Phil. Now, the, the underrated part about 19 you're like, Jesus Christ, this leaderboard was incredible. Even like the randoms, like, oh, there's Dust- Dustin Johnson, two back. There's J- Justin Thomas hits a hole in one. He's two back. Like the names on that leaderboard were incredible. Molinari, who crumbles, had just beat Tiger eight months ago. The, yep. I thought the coolest part of Tiger with Nance was like, you know, my kid saw me eight months ago. Mm, I, the best part. He basically said, I fucked up, I blew the tournament. You're like, God, he's being pretty honest here. Like, it, it, I blew it. I was in the lead in the back nine. And then fr- he's like, Frankie played well. He did what he had to do, but I screwed up. You're like, How Damn. old is Charlie Woods? Uh, eight or nine. Yeah, because I, I, I just remember watching him then and then seeing it again, this part where they're following Tiger up the path and Charlie's like right on his heels. It's like, God, do you remember, John? Maybe in quarantine, we're all back in this world when it was just every day. Every single day was just a pair of basketball shorts and a t-shirt. But like that wasn't quarantine outfit. That was just I, school, basketball at the park, home. That's, and Charlie is just like t-shirt and basketball shorts. You don't see a lot of t-shirt and basketball shorts at the Masters. No. But Charlie's just t-shirts and basketball shorts. Well, you know what's mixed into like chicken nuggets, waffles. Ex- like, exactly. Uh, you know, it's the whole uh, deal. Game if, Boy. If Tiger ever gives you the go-ahead to have like a Pepsi, you know, you're like, Yes. You know, fri- mi- oh, fries. A, a, a milkshake, and then boom, yeah. you're playing a little more. Yep. You know? That's right. <laughs> the, the other thing when Tiger was like, you can tell he was raised, you didn't ask questions. You were just told what to do. And I think you're, uh, most humans are like this. You're the opposite a little of your parents. Because he's like, yeah, they, they were in Florida. My family was not here on Saturday or the week. And she his daughter had lost a soccer tournament. He's like, I called her Saturday night. He's like, you guys want to come to the Masters, <laughs> you know? And he, you could tell he was hoping that they might say no, you know? I and, he, and they did come, obviously. I mean, he's boom, press a button, the private jet brings him. But yeah, it was, it's a cool moment. Very cool. And I thought of the thing Hunter Mahan told us when we interviewed him on the podcast, which was uh, last week, which was you know, w- sometimes you have to win with your B game. Yeah. And that's, I, th- that, I think he won with like his B minus game. I don't even think he was that great. That's where though specifically Kepka comes into play because when Kepka's got you can't beat Kepka with your B game if he's got his A game, right? No, right now, just like you couldn't have beaten Tiger on his prime B game with your A game, probably. No. Well, I think I, I was listening to Kepka was on with part of my take with those guys, and he mentioned. Uh, he's like the shittiest part about this Corona. He's like, I was really kind of starting to, I'd been off and at, right at the players like that. My last round before they called it, I was like, I think it's starting to come together. You're like, Oh, mm. <laughs> people better watch out. Cause again, he does 
rewatching that, you're like, God, he kind of has a tiger vibe. Very serious. Not not trying to be friendly with everyone. Not that he's a dick. He's different, no. but he's just he's hitting these shots that are just There's pepper in the pin and right down the middle. There's no doubt. He's sweet. He's the clo- he is the clo- we've said it many times. We've yeah. talked about it last year. He's the closest thing to Tiger since Tiger. So uh before we get on to uh, some more stuff, John, let's welcome to the podcast Raycon Wireless Earbuds. So comfortable. And in this time of quarantine, conference calls, listening to podcasts. Uh, you know, everyone talks about isolation from the rest of the world. What about isolation from your roommate or your significant other? Uh, because, you know, we don't all live in... Uh, I saw a picture. A buddy of mine sent me a photo, John, of a guy just sitting in his pickup truck in front of his house with, with his earphones on, just getting some space. Well, that's where Raycon earbuds, stylish, discreet, no dangling wires, stems to distract anyone during video calls. It all comes into play at buy raycon.com slash ham for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Well, guy, their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. I wore them on Sunday to get a little workout in. Uh, over six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing. Press one button, it's easy. More bass. You like to get a little bass. I did. I noticed that with them when I was washing the dishes with them. In. Yeah, Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable. You really don't feel them in. And like you said, unlike most uh, wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet. They, they fit right in. They have multiple sizes. They give you from small to big, depending on your ear size. Uh, you've heard me. T- you've heard us talk about it. The, it's co-founded by, by Ray J. We've all heard mm-hmm. of Ray J. So I appreciate the hustle, Ray J. I, I like them. I appreciate, me, me and Guy appreciate the earbuds. They, yeah. They're good. And they're solid. Here, here's the important part, right? Half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as good as all the brands you're familiar with. So now's the latest and greatest from Raycon, you get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash ham. That's buyraycon.com slash ham for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash ham. I like it. Uh, we've, we've gotten more and more details of the NFL draft since the last time we did a podcast. It's going to be Goodell in his basement uh, announcing picks. I hope he's got good Wi-Fi, John. <laughs> Uh, we are just over a uh, a week away now, week away Thursday. What the, what part of the dra- – there's been a lot of complaining. I shouldn't say a lot of complaining. There's been a lot over the last month of GMs don't want this, GMs don't want this. Now that it's become apparent that it's happening, I think even they have to – you go from, from the complaining mindset to the let's make the most of this mindset. So I think we're trending towards that. I've heard there's been less complaining here lately. I, I feel about early last week that kind of – comes to a screeching halt once you know there's no going back what what does it make sense bitching and moaning the other thing like what we just talked about everything their time they're looking up they're seeing cbs is doing a zoom like this is the reality we're in this is just you're you're doing it it's everybody who said did you say this last week like nobody has or maybe it was cowherd said it same thing Nobody, there is no perfect, nobody's in the perfect situation right now. Everybody's dealing with something. Yeah. And I I think at the end of the day, the zoom is not that difficult to use. Uh, I talked to an NFL assistant coach and I asked him, how's the zooms going? He's like, it actually makes everything more efficient because when you bring a guy to your facility, there's so much wasted time. He's like, you kind of got to be in and out. You hit certain bullet points. You get, you get to specific things right away. There, there's not much fluff. I do think it's going to look pretty cool on television. Again, we're a little more... If this came out of nowhere, like we had just been living normal, living normal, living normal, and then you did this the week of the draft, I would com- it would be, it'd be weird. 
I think we're kind of getting conditioned a little bit to just see little boxes on our television screen. Dudes with wireless earbuds. Hopefully it's by Raycon.com slash ham. Uh, maybe and, it buffers a little. Maybe it skips. Yeah, just because the Wi-Fi is... It just is what it is. I am actually think it's going to be kind of intriguing to watch Goodell from his basement. All these GMs on like, uh, you know, their camera on their computer. It's, it's going to be something you won't really ever forget. Because right now, the only thing there's nothing we'll ever forget. Well, there's not any events to never forget. Because even free agency... It wasn't any difference for us, different for us, the consumer. It just happened like it would normally happen. Now, maybe we would have got some press conferences, right? Brady would have had one. DeForest Buckner would have had one. All that type shit. But really, that's the only difference. Other than that, nothing has changed uh, for the consumer beside the fact that we haven't had these events that we normally talk about to rift about because they just haven't existed. This is going to exist, but it's going to look, to me, dramatically cooler with... I just think it's it's going to humanize these guys a little bit. You're like, God, John Harbaugh's got a small office. Or, geez, you know, look at look at Belichick's home office. You know, just some of these things. Like, PK, who knows? I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, in, I think in, in be, a time that's not that fun. Because I think no one, to your point, if this happened at the beginning of quarantine, uh, we'd probably be a little more mad about pixelated video, right? But let's say what. Now again, this is but what ha- something will ha- something will happen. Now, I'm not saying some disaster. I'm not saying it's going to get hacked. But is Roger Goodell's Wi-Fi going to freeze in the midst of and with the third? We have a trick. If you had, wouldn't you say it's more likely to happen on Friday or Saturday when a lot of shit's going down at a much rapid f- speed? Where the first night, I guess all it takes is a Wi-Fi to go out of the guy trying to make the pick. I you're so who knows. But I, I would think they would have to have some. If John Middlecoff is supposed to make the pick, there's got to be a backup, well, right? Well, they have conference calls. I guess every team is going to be on an open landline, you know, with, like, whoever the decision makers are on it on top of the Wi-Fi. Now, what's what's what usually happens is you get – you have a person designated that whatever you read – remember – that one year Woj had all the picks and you know in the NFL you ha- you know they have to tell everyone with ESPN or NFL network don't release the picks early mm-hmm. because the the picks get sent to the league office by that team's war room hey i'm uh on the Cincinnati Bengals we like our pick is in we'd like to take Joe Burrow quarterback LSU that is in Way before you hear it on your television. I mean, when I say way before, there might be four or five minutes, but that's a long lag period. Well, is that lag period still existing as much with this? Because, like, who's sending it in? Does the GM send it in? It's going to be a. I wonder if there's less lag time. Because I, I usually get the information because I know multiple guys on multiple teams whose job is to just go, uh, you know, John Lynch. Or, hey, John. Call him John Lynch if you're in the room. Hey, John, uh, the the Lions have just traded the pick to the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins have selected Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And then, he, you know, then you start kind of going off from there, leading up to your pick. Or the Carolina Panthers pick is in. They have taken X player. That is in usually three or four minutes, sometimes five, depending as you get longer before right. we hear it on television. Yeah, there's a commercial break. So you just want, will there be something weird happen with that? Like Trey Wingle's like, yeah, we don't know who the pick is. (laughs) You know, that I think that I think Goodell had a bathroom break. 
Yeah, there leaves the opportunity for some fun moments like that. I think everyone understands now. The the, the question is, is there going to be a story, you know, somebody tried to do a trade and something got screwed up or somebody wanted to pick a guy, but something got screwed up. Is that going to happen? That I, I, I feel not. like that. I, mean, I feel like but, that's inevitable almost. Yeah. And it might not even be something as serious as, cause you'd say worst case scenario. Team X thinks the team above them picked a player. So they pick the next player. They go, Whoa. And they try to take them immediately. And it turns out that team had picked that player and then we're like two picks removed and there was just mass confusion. That would be a disaster, right? Would they have to press pause on the draft if like Isaiah Simmons had been picked three times in a row? Yeah. It probably wouldn't happen three, but it, it is possible to happen twice. Team thinks like it, got some, it gets announced that the, the team had picked, you know, C.D. Lamb. And you're like, oh my God. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is still on the board. Well, it turns out they actually took Isaiah Simmons, but lost in translation somehow. I don't know. I'm I'm rooting for that, and I would so be okay. Something, with. something will happen, and it won't be. We won't be able to predict what it is. No, it won't be Laramie Tunzel's gas mask. But would you that's, say that's, that's out of bounds to leak something uh, shitty about a player during COVID nineteen? Is that out of bounds? Like somebody's tumbling because it turned out that he's hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, this guy's been price gouging Perel. Yeah. He was actually the money behind the Purell guy in Nashville. <laughs> I know. That'd be pretty funny. Um, all right, Niners and Raiders, obviously partial to them. Uh, and once again, we get lucky. The second time they've had back-to-back picks. With similar, I guess everybody, you can probably find similar needs between any two teams in the NFL. But it, it I would say both fan bases, Raiders and Niners fan bases, both desperately want them or at least it's most fun to connect them to receivers. And it does feel like those top that top group of receivers will be gone by the top 15 picks in the also, NFL draft. I'd say this, though. The reality is with a receiver, how many teams are there in the NFL who don't need a wide receiver? Well, right? exactly. <laughs> I would say that position more than any. Like, you could always just add another sweet wide receiver. Like, Jerry Judy would play for legitimately 32 teams. Like, he would be in the mix. Yeah. Do you feel like at this point, I mean, the Niners obviously prime trade back candidates because they don't have a second rounder. They have the two ones. Um, Mayoko's been on a, he's been saying for a while. I think Peter King wrote something Monday too that hinting at D tackle, uh, which would mean not taking a receiver. It might also mean not trading back, but. But they, guy, they have, they have two, both these two teams have two picks. So I, I think they are both inclined and should be to take the sweetest player available at 12 and 13. Yeah. You don't need to force quote unquote, the wide receiver. I've been told the Raiders would love to add a second round pick. Well, the way they would do that is probably trade back four or five spots. Now they're going to have multiple options to do that. Cause they got 12 and 19. The 49ers don't have a second, don't have a third and don't have a fourth. I think it would be shocking if they don't trade back one of their two picks. And you could argue that, Unlike 31, 13 could just net you more if you go from like 13 to 17 or 13 to 20. Well, it could accumulate, boom, multiple picks. Like, what if it, like, would you do 13? I'm just going to, I don't even, it's irrelevant who's in this spot, but like 13 to 19, 
for their second this year and a third next year. Well, it, actually, that trade is relevant. Who well, yeah, because nineteen. Okay, but uh, it's third, the Raiders. Third to three to twenty-one or three yeah. to twenty-two for a second and a second next year. Right. Well, I you, think the value that's, of that, that's on the table. And the value of that one is if you trade thirty-one to get a second, then guess how many firsts you have? One. If you trade thirteen to get a second, guess how many firsts you have? Two. Now the difference though right. is you can go like I can go thirty one. I know the group of players that are there at thirty one. I can go from thirty one back to like thirty six, right? Early in a team early early in the second round that wants to get up to get their player, and you don't move that many spots back, and you still know the player you can acquire while also adding a third round pick. I think that's what's powerful about doing subtle moves back. The John Schneider special which yeah. I read a good nugget. Since 2012, guy, he has made, tw- he has made 10 first-round picks. 19 and 17, he traded back twice. The, he's made eight other picks, trades beside that. He traded every year since 12. Wait, wait, since 2012, he's made how many first-round okay, picks? Okay, let me rephrase that. I did not do a good job. From 2012, he's traded his first-round pick every single year. Oh, okay. Every single year. Now, some have included players. Some have included just trade-back downs. Last year in 2017, he traded that pick twice. I think one year he went back and then he moved back forward. The other year he went back and then back again. But he from 12, literally he's never used the pick that he had as of like today. <laughs> he's traded it every stinking time. So basically, he's got 27 a, this yeah, year. A, G, a GM just told I think Peter King like the only thing we know that's going to happen on draft day, the draft's going to happen, and John Schneider will trade his first round pick. Like, well, One of these days, he's going to move up in the first round. I would say this, though. He's got th- two seconds already. I think 13, more than likely, because there might be Henry Ruggs there, CeeDee Lamb, probably more on the table to trade back. 31, there's just a huge unknown. Yeah. Because well, you, you need 30 players to go off the board. You need a certain player to be there for a team, ideally. I don't think you want to trade 31 to go back any farther than like 40, right? You want to stay relatively pretty high because that's still premium players. Look, last year the Niners had, what was it, like pick 37 or and 38, and they got Debo Samuel. Like you want to stay in that little range to get a player right. that you value. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's You can plan for 13 right now. It's a lot harder to plan today to trade 31. Like today you can go, all right, the three quarterbacks, the – Akuda Simmons, the offensive lineman, Young. Like, you can figure out today if you're the Niners. I, I think you could have legitimate, tangible conversations with a couple teams behind you about potential to trade up, and they might reach out to you. you I don't even think it's possible, really, at 31. Maybe it's super, super light, but if you're a team, why are you even worried about trading up your second to get to 31 when you have no freaking clue who's going to be? It's a waste of your time. Yeah. Now, the other thing, if you're the Raiders, is what if you value the fourth best receiver in this class close to the second best receiver in this class, right? Whatever, whatever your board is. If you're, if, if you've got Judy one lamb two, rugs three and uh, whatever LaVisca Chenault or Jefferson, whoever four, if, if your fourth guy you think is as almost as good as the second guy, then maybe you do have some incentive to move back, but I'm with you. I, for both those, the problem for, like the 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 Raiders' second first round pick is much closer to their first pick than the Niners' one is, right? Like, yeah, the difference between nineteen and thirty one is pretty big, big time. 
I think in a typical draft, the top wide receiver, at least historically thinking the last handful of years, right? When you have like a Julio Jones going to go in the top 10, there's usually a big drop off. The year that Mike Evans went really high and there was like Odell Beckham and Brandon Cooks, like all those guys, DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of those guys have become just really good players. And they all felt kind of jumbled at the time. Remember the Amari Cooper year? It was like Amari was the best by far. Some people like Kevin White, but then there was no one else even in the discussion. This one does feel like, even if you have them, because you're going to rank them one through six, I bet there are some teams and many general managers that go, yeah, I mean, is Brandon Ayuk as good as Jerry Judy? No, but if I told you in three years with our scheme and our stuff, like the difference of Jerry Judy's my number one guy and this guy's my sixth guy on the board, I don't think the gap is that wide when I factor in upside and how talented this guy could be or Jefferson or some of these other names. But you go, aren't we better off using that pick if we are going to stay at 12 or 13 on a corner, on a defensive tackle, on an offensive tackle if you're the Niners, and then take the wide receiver with 19 or 31 or whatever? Because when you got a draft that's quote-unquote deep, 10 deep, the value gap is not as big, where the value gap at defensive line and corner is always huge. That's why C.J. Henderson, the corner, uh, Peter King wrote that he's talked to teams that have him above of uh, Aduka, Akuda, Akuda, Akuda. Uh, I have not, again, I don't know every team in the league. I have not heard that. Like I, I've heard that he's the clear one, but I've also heard this guy is the clear two. So if you go, there's a clear two, getting a sweet corner when you know I can get a wide receiver or a linebacker or whatever a little later, it makes like there is a balance of factoring in need, BPA, and just factoring in the draft's inventory, right? Especially with the Raiders and Niners when they have multiple picks who both need a wide receiver. And I think it would be stunning. I guess one of them could trade out of the first round. So when the dust settles, they both, probably the Niners, wouldn't have two first round picks. But let's say they both use, the four picks are used, that if each team doesn't come out with a wide receiver, would be a little shocking, right? You'd yeah, expect yeah. a wide receiver for each team. But I will not be shocked if the wide receiver for each team comes at 19 and 31. Well, the the odds, John, it would be fascinating for us just because we obviously follow we follow every team, but those two really closely. When you just look at the draft historically, the odds of there being three first round or even two first round kind of receivers that turn into what you want a first round receiver to be, just the odds aren't great. Like I'll just rattle through here, okay? Twenty eighteen. All right, DJ Moore, then Calvin Ridley. Uh those are your two first-rounders. Yeah. All right. 2017. This is a good one to talk about. Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross. Those were three top ten picks. Yeah. 2016. Corey Coleman. Was Will bad. Fuller. Josh Dotson. Laquan Treadwell. Those were four first-rounders. 2015. Ton of them. Amari. Kevin White. Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Brashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett. Well, guy, that, that that's the other problem with just the draft in general. We basically talk about everyone in absolutes and like it's final. Like, oh, you get Jerry Judy, he's going to just be sweet. You right. get CeeDee Lamb, he's going to be fucking, he's Hopkins. You get uh, Isaiah Simmons, you're talking Ed Reed meets Ray Lewis. I mean, combine the two. It's, that's how we always do it, right? It's how people mm-hmm. always say, the power of a draft pick is not the player that you end up picking. 
it's the hope of that pick. Oh, the Niners get rid of DeForest Buckner. They got pick 13. And I, well, what if they don't nail the pick? Do you know oh. what DeForest Buckner is? A 12-year NFL starter who's an, a borderline pro bowler every year. And, and that's it's just what makes sports, especially basketball and football, the power of their draft. Football, their draft lasts longer. But I was like, you got multiple second rounders? What if you whiff on them both? You know, it's like what if well, you go we, from thirty-one to get a, add a two and a three? It just might not work. Here, here's let's just play the odds. Jerry Judy, Ceedee Lamb, Henry Ruggs will not be Pro Bowlers on the teams that drafted them five years from now. Not all three of them. Right? No chance. No chance. I, I would 2014, say twenty fourteen. Even the, John. Even some of these like Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Kelvin Benjamin. Odell Beckham's on another team. Sammy Watkins is on like his. I don't even know how many teams since Thir- then. Three. Feels like more. Yeah. Right? It, it does. Uh, the year before that, Tavon Austin, DeAndre Hopkins, Cordero Patterson. Those are your first rounders. Yeah, Justin just- Blackman, Michael Floyd, Kendall Wright, A.J. Jenkins. I could do first-round receivers forever. Yeah, it's scary. Well, because if you think so- about a lot, a lot of the good wide receivers recently, you haven't had to take them in the first round. Debo Samuel, I just last year. Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Michael Devontae. Thomas. Like you can get dynamic players just in other rounds yeah. at, at that at that position. Ju- Juju, another great Cooper example. Cup, Tyler Boom. Boyd. It turns out, you know, Nailed on and on and on. I just God, I love looking at old drafts. They're great. I mean, I remember when I Paul, you know who went you know who went eight spots ahead of Devante as a receiver? No. I remember this now in retrospect. Paul Richardson from Colorado to the Seahawks. That was a bold pick. But see, th- th- here's the, I'm not gonna defend that pick because you would just rather have Devontae than Paul Richardson every day of the week and fifty times on Sunday. Sometimes, though, teams, one thing they've been looking for for a while, and this is why they got DK, they love the speed guy because he throws a great deep ball. So you'd go, in theory, in your meeting room, especially they had Doug Baldwin at the time, you would go, we don't need a player like Devontae. We need a top-end speed guy. This is why when you look back several years, I bet if you're a Seattle fan, you're like, God damn, we could add Devontae Adams you know, and Tyler Lockett. And Chris Carson and Russell Wilson, and we could have drafted DK this year. Our team would have been sweet, but you don't. You're not thinking like that at the time because the Niners, for example, let's say all three wide receivers fall to them. The Raiders take CJ Henderson. They go corner, or they take a line. They do something else, and just all the three wide receivers fall to you. And you go, you know what the Niners need? They got Debo. Get a speed guy in Henry Ruggs. Well, what if in like three years, CD Lamb is better than DeAndre Hopkins? You're like, oh my god. We could have had CeeDee Lamb and Debo Samuel. But at the time, you're like, well, we don't need two Debo Samuels. We just need Debo Samuels and Deshaun Jackson. The problem is, more likely, that guy's going to be just, the history would show you, John Ross, right? Right. Because that's what the Bengals were thinking. Like, we can get Deshaun Jackson to go with A.J. Green? No, what you should have done is just taken DeAndre Hopkins or whoever the other fucking wide receiver was to go with A.J. Green. And it would have been on like Donkey Kong. But you, you always try to, you balance it. And I think basketball is actually a good example. They've been doing a better job, at least mo- some teams, not actually, never mind, but a decent <laughs> amount of teams. I think the smart teams that don't draft high think about this. Like, don't worry, don't get so caught up in 
this guy does this, this guy does that. These get the most good players. Because if you had three De- uh, Devontae Adams, you wouldn't be like, ah, we just can't take the top off. Those guys would just be getting yeah, open every play. Guy. Yeah, they would. Devontae on the left would be kicking ass. Devontae in the slot would be getting open. Devontae on the right. Like, would the, would the Saints right now, would they rather have three Michael Thomases or like a Michael Thomas and a speed guy? I think you just take three Michael Thomases. Well, exactly. Let's make it about the 49ers, whose two best receivers are their tight end, George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Yeah, ideally you would have what you would have you would find your Deshaun Jackson here. But what if this team just had Anquan Bolden? You'd be like, ah, it doesn't really fit. It's like, yeah, I bet it I bet it works though. You're saying uh, they we, had we, Anquan right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if this Niners team, instead of having quote unquote, remember it was like Torrey Smith and Anquan. Well, this what you need is whatever Torrey Smith is supposed to be, right? But if it's Anquan or nothing, I bet that works too. I, but I also think it gets overrated. Like, no one says, like the Chiefs, for example. They just won the Super Bowl. Whenever you watch the Chiefs on a Sunday morning, everyone thinks the same thing. Do they have seven guys that run a 4 Because they're just hauling ass. They never, you know, if you just put in Michael Thomas or a Debo or a Devontae with all those speed guys, it would just work. You know what instead they do? They roll out like three Tyree kills, and they just run bombs, and they just kick the shit well, out of you. It's a great point, John. What do you think, if you just asked people as they watched the Chiefs what they thought Kareem Hunt's 40 time was, what do you think people would think? I think everyone would think Kareem Hunt's a, like, oh, he must, must have been a 4-4 guy. Like, nah, he's a 4-6-6. But that's, yeah, but he didn't play that exactly. But I would say running backs... I would say this, and maybe this is the counter. When you have a bunch of speed, your slower guys also look fast because everyone's just playing so fast. Sometimes maybe the counter would be when you have slower guys. Maybe the reason Michael Thomas does look fast because they do have they have Ted Ginn. Like they, they do balance it out. Like maybe it, he just looks fast because he's fucking good. Maybe he just plays fast. Yeah, maybe, maybe just, he's just good players look fast because they're good. <laughs> like they always have the ball and they're hard to tackle and they're running. Well, th- this also gets back to sometimes I think we make too big a deal over the uh, over 40 times with good players. Like, 4-6. That was, a, I think, multiple guys that fall under this category are Juju Smith, are Devontae Adams, are Michael Thomas. They're just, you know, if they had run 4-4-2, they're just going in the first round. And then I think sometimes you overcompensate. You go, this guy's just a good football player. Nikhil Harry. Because that's, that's where I stood last year. I'm like, take mm. Nikhil Harry. I, yeah, he ran a slower 40. Who cares? And you're like, ugh. But it's only one year. He's hurt eight games. You can't. I'm not overreacting. I know, but that's how that's how it felt. It's a, <laughs> yeah, got time. All right. Anything the, else to? Because the knock sometimes is the guys can't get open. Right. Right. But either you find a way to get open, even if you're slow because you're strong, or you have a good ability to separate, or you just catch contested passes like Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams do, and then you're hard to tackle. And it's like, well. He's running 12 yards downfield with his regular speed, so what difference does it make? Just got a first down. Exactly. And if you can catch 18 balls, 15 balls, 13 balls, like those guys threaten to do. Anything else on uh, the Raiders and Niners trading back for, for now? Uh, I wouldn't mind yeah. like a midweek trade back just to give us something to talk about. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I'm with that. Yeah, I- I'm game. Uh, before we get on, John, to some quarantine thoughts, Manscaped, love my friends at Manscaped, back with us, use the code HAM at manscaped.com, you get 20% off, you get free shipping, 
Uh, you actually get a little more right now as well. Subscribers for a limited time get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. I We actually have it all. We got the bag. We got the boxer briefs. I might be wearing the boxer briefs right now. Uh, the lawnmower 3.0, which I've been using consistently. I actually wash it off. Sometimes I use on my face. If I Not recommended, <laughs> but I can speak for the sides right here. Yeah, so I mean, the Manscaped 3.0, it has a great little USB charger. Like you said, the travel case, the uh, the boxer briefs, comes with uh, deodorant, you know, for, for the cojones, you know, to keep the anti-chafing. Uh, again, the most powerful thing to me about the Manscaped 3.0 is you can just go to town from 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 the bottom all the way up to the top, and you're not cutting anything, and you can go fast. It's soft. It's smooth. cutting the hair. You're cutting the hair, but not the body. We've all had some war wounds uh, back in the day, and that's why Manscaped is crushing it because their product is so dominant. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. The only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. The Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. That's what you get. You get 20% off the travel bag, the boxer briefs, uh, free shipping, and the, the, the lawnmower 3.0, which is, which is the, uh, the key to the whole thing. 20% yeah. off free shipping, manscaped.com. Code HAM. Your partner, your body, your balls will thank you. Yes, Code they ham. will. Yes, they will. Uh, some quarantine thoughts, John, for this podcast. What's on your mind? Well... One thing that hit me last night, uh, I, I would imagine, and I tweeted this out, I, I think the drug use in like the 60s was a lot different than now. I mean, we had less information, the hippie movement, Vietnam, I, you know, it wasn't just people smoking weed, you know, right? They were doing, you know, we look back on the times, even successful people, I mean, hell, Steve Jobs using acid, doing drugs, I don't think millennials are doing I do think the amount of substances that millennials, just weed and alcohol, have consumed during quarantine is really, really high. Like, would would push that group of just consistently drinking, even if it's just glasses of wine every night, cocktails every, every night, night, edibles John, every night. My, the Insta stories I see, people are, they're not waiting until <laughs> night. No, they, they are, uh, I, I think the millennials are using substances. Again, I, I'm mainly marijuana and alcohol. I, I don't think the average normal millennials like popping acid at his house on Wednesday night. Also then go into a conference call the next morning, but I do think it's really high. And the Insta stories, again, small sample size, a lot of, lot of alcohol getting, getting uh, consumed. Especially because you can, uh, wine specifically feels like something people can drink at like, Noon. It's like, oh, no, I'm just open a bottle, have a little wine. That it just feels different than than hard alcohol. And maybe it's probably I would say beer is closer to wine in that way. Right? I just have a few beers. Like I'm not you're not falling over drunk. You're just you know, buzz with a few ice lights. See, but I think wine would be in its own category if you had a conference call at like one o'clock on the West Coast and you just had a cup of wine. I don't even know if you'd be depending on who you're on the conference call with. It's true, they judge you that much. A can of beer a, would look different. A can of beer or like a, a, a glass that's clearly something white or dark. You're like, uh, what are you drinking? I I think you get away with wine. That's why everyone on social media is uh, cavalier. Might be the wrong word, but they ain't hiding it at all no, times of day. It's the great. I don't know if wine marketed itself this way, but it is the great, the, the 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 great advantage that wine has is how. I mean, all these alcohols are obviously publicly acceptable, 
but uh, but wine's on another level in terms of just how acceptable it is. Well, the most people I see consuming it are millennial women on my timeline and NBA players That's right. do a ton of Instagram lives. They are always drinking wine, which is, I go back and forth. Like, I'm not a huge wine guy. Uh, I know some people that are, but most men in my life drink and I think when you just look at it from a sports perspective like the Niners got made fun of when Levi's originally opened it'd be like you know what they're gonna have you can get like chicken curry or Chinese food and wine it was like guys this is football just have some pizza have some hot dogs and have some cold fucking beer we don't need to outthink this and have a couple cocktail stages and that's when you go now it's what it kind of feels like you don't it doesn't feel like a wine and cheese crowd and baseball you don't think like I'll just going to go to the yard and have a glass. No, you're going to drink some beer or you're going to have a cocktail and watch the game. And I think football and baseball kind of feel like that. Just the average guy is going to drink, but drink beer or, or hard alcohol. These NBA guys, it just feels like they love wine. And I don't feel like their consumer is huge on the wine. Now, maybe the rich Which is rich crazy guys, because everybody's huge on wine, it seems like. Right? But are they? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I think they are. But again, you're talking to two people who I've got bottles of wine that people gave me. I, I don't buy wine and I don't drink wine. I don't drink it. I, I mean, I'll drink it if you go to dinner and someone has here's some wine. Okay, but I, ha- I don't I have not o- opened a bottle of wine in quarantine. Yeah, I've I opened a bottle yet. of whiskey. I've had beer. Yeah, that's why I, I just I wonder if but, there is. And I, but I don't I'm think not we're tr- a little disconnect ratings. You just, start, I just the stuff that resonates with people, I wonder if, and that's something that clearly these NBA players really like. I mean, they're, they're drinking LeBron's. I mean, every time you see him, he drink Carmelo, these Wade, it, maybe it's the older group, but I actually feel the younger group because they look up to him are consuming a lot too. And always in these videos, just with feels a, just trying to be high. It just feels high class, you know, it's an evolution. Yeah, it just, but I don't feel like, do we feel like but rich oh. guys, rich people drink beer too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Michael Jordan in the in the intro to his video back in the day, he had a cocktail next to him. It was all all dark. It looked like just whiskey on the rocks. Right. Guess what? He is the coolest athlete of our lifetime. You know. So it's just I, I don't feel like some of the stories. Back in those days, to, the travel was harder. The you played every day. You needed something a little harder. I think maybe to take the edge maybe, off. Maybe it's life's too good. They're like yeah. on a Napa resort twenty four seven in basketball. I have a quarantine issue. Go so. Uh, I think most people, just from talking to people, I don't know if you have this experience, but I think most people are tipping a little better when it comes to pick like the food situation right now. Like yeah. you go pick up some food. I think you probably people are inclined to tip a little more because they appreciate that people are working and they're putting themselves. You know, they're you're in a kit. So whoever's working in the kitchen, there's probably five of them in there, and yeah. you're handing food out to people. Get a seventy dollar um, meal, just hand a twenty. Just you know, thanks for so. Services. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely happening. Um, now I've said this at the very beginning of this whole situation. One thing I, I think I said it on the podcast, just like, I, I don't know where we'd be without sanitation workers. The, the challenge I've encountered is how do you tip a sanitation worker? Um, because I do think they deserve a tip. I don't know what their salaries are like, but it's easy for, it's easy to figure out a way. I think that even it's a little tough, but you know, like your mailman, you can just put a tip, I guess, in the mailbox. FedEx or UPS, it's a little harder because you have to be there to hand it to them unless you have a single-family housing situation. If I put a $5 bill in my empty mailbox, you think the guy well, would take I, it? I think if it's like – if it, maybe it's an envelope, right? But, again, I 
I think it's a little more complicated, but I see the mailman. Like I just, the mailman is working during sunlight so I can see the mail person. The problem, I want to tip the sanitation workers. They're at the top of my list. I agree. But they come at four 30 in the morning, get up early and I can't leave an envelope because that might be, just looks like the rest of the trash. It would get tossed. So I don't, I really, it's a challenge. I don't know if anyone out there reach, if you've tipped your sanitation worker, how you've pulled that off. I think you just have to get up early, stand out there, and hand them a 10. Now, what do you think maybe – I was thinking a little more than a 10. Or 50. I mean, 100. Yeah. What do you think about – I was thinking about this today, about kind of closing the circle, John. Is it weird if the tip is like a Kinder's Barbecue gift card? Can we just involve everybody in the ecosystem, get a Kinder's Barbecue gift card, give that to the sanitation worker? You could argue sometimes stuff like that is, hey, here's a $100 gift card to Safeway. Go take get some family some groceries, right? Here's Yeah, that's 50. good, but I'm trying to like Safeway. I'm trying to go local company to yeah, local person. for sure. I mean, I, we, we're in talks. We're trying to figure something like that out. There are some logistic stuff, I think, with the delivery. and Yeah, I mean, it's, everything's on the table. So, yeah, that, that would make sense, doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, again... That would entail you getting outside. Yeah, I'd have to figure something out there. I know that's the challenge. That's you know that would require some personal accountability. Well, you you also you also I uh, kind of a funny story meant to send Haberman a wire transfer. We you know our money comes in and we we split it up and send Haberman his amount and uh, the amount that I accidentally sent guy one morning was over forty thousand (laughs) dollars. I had uh, I tried to send him a solid amount. Which is amount normally of money. the amount of money we send each yeah. other. So uh, it wasn't supposed to be quite that much. Uh, <laughs> let's say it was supposed to be a four digit and it went to the five digits. <laughs> and uh, I thought I had taken care of it. It didn't go through or whatever. Because at the time I sent it, I had about $2,000 in my yeah. account. So it wasn't even close. You were like, this, can you cancel it? I'm like, I don't know. It's not and I get, I, I guess PayPal, we usually use Venmo, but sometimes Venmo is a max amount. So I tried to use the PayPal. And uh, I thought it was canceled. Well, it turns out they try to go, they redo it like every 72 hours. Even though you've called them, your bank. Yeah, even though I'd canceled it all. And I wake up this morning and there had been a 40000 transaction. Well, I had nowhere near $40,000 in my account. I then had a $7,000 overdraft. This oh. is kind of a random number. But again, it's all pending. And then I had my over minus twenty four thousand dollars in my account, and it's at the time I got I finally plus got like a Fargo twenty the- plus like a twenty five dollar overdraft fee, right? Well, that that comes in after guy when either the overdraft goes through, then you get the overdraft fee, or it all gets canceled, and then they'll nail you with a thirty five dollar just failed transaction fee. So I'm getting hit with a fee one way or the other. But I was thinking this morning, and maybe this happens sometimes to companies, right? Money in, money out, just happens really fast. For most personal bank accounts, it'd usually be a smaller amount, I would imagine. But hell, yeah. everyone's different. I don't know if I'll ever get back to this I, minus twenty four. Plus, I mean, it's like twenty four thirty. But again, the numbers don't even add up. Like, what, you only took the you could only overdraft me. Set you would have had to overdraft like over twenty thousand dollars. So by the time you listen to this, if you listen to this on Monday afternoon, we'll know Tuesday morning if this goes through. And I'm minus twenty five. And then I got a email that said. From Wells Fargo, your under your balance is under zero. You would like to correct this. Well, no shit. Like you think I want minus twenty four thousand? How's that even possible? I don't know. And could, and the fact that it doesn't get solved with the phone call that you made 
right? You called and talked to someone and said this was an accident. Well, what happened? But that was, doesn't solve the problem. It's crazy to me. Well, I thought it was a double whammy that they block further transactions and they reverse the $35. What I was told this morning, she only put in motion reversing the $35, not blocking future <laughs> transactions. I'm like, yeah, the $35 isn't quite Wait. as important to me in the future as 42 grand getting oh, transferred. Okay. But again, like it's quarantine. I, I realize you're kind of being a dick and it's seven in the morning. And She might be working from home. There's Wells Fargo. The, the most annoying sound in the world. I mean, the world is being on hold Wells Fargo their little jingle they play. I mean is you, it by, is it one of their songs? Yeah, it's just kind of a generic beat that you could make on like an Apple computer probably that they someone's just, talking over it. Well, every once in a while, like every minute she chimes in like your wait is you know, a little yeah, longer yeah, yeah. than normal, but the, yeah. the sound goes consistently for like 30 to 45 seconds. And it would be enough in a prisoner situation to drive a man Guantanamo? nuts. Guantanamo. You, think that's uh, you what just they fucking play? let it play. Rank it up, and you'll want to take your phone about five minutes in and huck it in the water. Should that should maybe that's what they play at uh, like a torture uh, jail, right? Where it's like just that music, and it's like your next waterboarding is in twenty minutes. You're nineteenth in line. Here's what ultimately I, I envision happening if it does go through: that it's now like flagged, so you end up not even getting the money. So the money is just in this no man's land, and I'm minus twenty three in the hole. And I read that you also get fined every day. You know, it's just going to be a disaster. Here's what I know is if $40,000 comes into my PayPal, which not only is it not yours, it's certainly not mine, it's still going to be hard. I don't even have $40,000. That's what I'm saying. It's still going to be hard for me to go, yeah, cancel transaction. I'm going to feel like I lost $40,000. I know. It it will suck. It it really will suck. Just knowing, just for a split second, that I could take that money and cut all ties and just go off the grid and run. You here's know? what I here's what I hang my hat on in our business relationship is when a money comes in, it immediately goes out. Just yeah. boom, you don't have to waste any time. One thing I figured out is I tried to do this. I got up one morning mid quarantine last week, and I probably had sent it around between six thirty and seven fifteen. Like I couldn't really sleep. I'm like, I'll just get out of bed. Get out of bed. I and I checked my bank account, I'm like, whoa, you know, I had an amount of money. It was not $40,000, but I was going to send Guy, and then I had pressed one too many buttons, and uh, then all of a sudden you hit send. You're like, that's not 4094. That's 40940. Oh, my God! <laughs> you know? And it happens. Yeah. Maybe it's not the first thing you do when you wake but, up. But again, like this is, I bet everyone that runs a business has, like these things happen, right? You just send the wrong amount. It's always yes. better to me when you send... And this happens to most of us. It has happened to probably everybody. Not enough money. Like, John, you only send me uh, $900. Where's the other five? It's, that's always easy to fix, or at least easier to, to argue. It's another thing when you're like, I accidentally sent you $500,000. Well, what about when you, when you just ordered a product? I'm sure it's happened, right? Where you just, you're supposed to order, uh, give me the 100 rubber bands, and you accidentally ordered 1,000 boxes of rubber bands I've done, yeah, I've done for the company, before. right? And all yeah. of a sudden, you've got all these boxes of rubber bands sitting at the company uh, warehouse. My worst move ever, one time I tried to pay off my credit card. Not pay it off. I mean, pay like $800, and I accidentally hit $8,000. <laughs> so this has happened before. That was a long, long time ago. But was that also before 7.30 a.m.? It might, it, it might have been like the difference between... 
It might not have been that much. It might have been like forty five hundred, and I was trying to pay four hundred fifty. Yeah, but I again, it was at the time we you can't. How do you send money you don't have? We're about to find out if you can. Well, I know that you can't. It's just how much do they punish you for doing it? Yeah. When you're not to me, if you're not even to fifty percent capacity, you, it's you crazy. just can't. You can't let it go through. It's it's if your if your overdraft account does does not get you to fifty percent capacity, it should get immediately thrown in the trash. The best I part would, was I, I would got get an if you were trying to send said, fifty thousand and you had thirty five thousand and your overdraft could get you to forty five or something like that. I would somewhat understand, but the discrepancy here is pretty big. I know, and I got an email that said, "Do not send goods," as if like. I was a Etsy seller. I had sold you a box on Etsy for $40,000 and the thing didn't come through and I was had, now I had to wait. As if there's anything I can do about it. Yeah, good know? luck trying to get a hold of the bank during quarantine also. I mean, just like you said, people working at home. It's just PayPal. You couldn't get a hold of anybody. Man. It's troubled times. Middle cop's 25 in the hole. <laughs> well, you've got a good attitude about it. Well, there's realize- something about knowing there's nothing you can do. Well, the, I, the, <laughs> do you know the older you get? The more mature you get, you you can like come to grips more. But then I got into an argument with the teller. It's not the teller, but the, whoever the chick is, Wells Fargo checking. And at the end, we had kind of argued back and forth because I thought they'd screwed up. She had claimed that I was kind of wrong. And she said, you know, thanks. For, we value your – thank you for everything. And I said, kind of an old school John asshole way, like, do you really thank me or you just have to say that? And then she dropped, what did you say? She was a little confused, and I was being a major dick. And then I realized, like, why am I taking this out on her? And I just hung up. I didn't even have a comeback. <laughs> but she could. That's then, I re- like. then, then I realized she's the decision maker. She easily could just throw away this claim, not even put it in, right? It could just go away. She'd yeah. be like, fuck that guy. That's what I always think when I, at the beginning of the call, when they say this call could be recorded for customer assurance. It's like, do they just sit around on a Friday afternoon and just listen to all these angry people and drink their wine? And wouldn't you say that banks and probably insurance companies get just the craziest calls because it's it, the only option is revolving money. Like sometimes with a product, the product's broke or whatever. When you're talking about someone's money mm-hmm. and you are not covered or you don't have, you screwed up something with their cash and you realize as you get older, the amount, it could be a hundred dollars. It could be 20, $40,000. Your blood's always pumping about the same. Like I've had the same deals over insurance stuff over, a two hundred dollar copay where you're just as hot, I, motherfuckers! You promised me. I remember mine. It me. was it was one seventy six, and I was pissed. Yeah, it's just it's principle. This right. this was I went out of my way last week, and you still screwing me. Yeah, but again, it could have been my fault too. Well, but the point is, it is it was your fault. It was why, my fault originally. Why yeah. is the solution so difficult? Well, like why, I don't understand why you can't just press a button and press cancel, right? If we just want to stop this podcast or whatever, we just press stop. Can't Maybe you just we press should. stop? We should press stop. Yeah, let's press stop. We got more content to do this week. Yeah, we do. All right. Adios, Adios. Pelota. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.